the book of Zechariah, and if you'll turn with me to chapter 2 of the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 2, and we'd like to spend some time on the subject of our refuge. The subject of our refuge. Just one thing that I know Zechariah preached, because he brings it out in this passage of scripture, that the Lord God Almighty is our refuge. The Lord Jesus is our refuge. And in this passage of scripture, we've seen a couple of times in the past, verse 4, and said unto me, this angel was sent to talk, said unto him, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls from the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. These verses declare that Jehovah, the Lord, is two things to the church. Now, in only this verse, there's two things, because there are many other things recorded in the scripture that the Lord Jesus is to his church. But in this passage of scripture, it says he's a wall of fire round about the church. He is the church's refuge, and he's the glory in the midst of her. So the church praises the Lord. That is their object of worship. The Lord Jesus is the object of worship of the church. They worship nothing else. They don't worship ordinances, days, moons, laws. They worship Christ. That's what the church does. But we notice there in that first part of that verse 5 says, I will be unto her a wall or fire round about. Now, this wall of fire gives us a metaphor. We know that there's not a literal fire around the church in that sense. Now, I'm not sure what that young man saw in Elisha's day when he, Elisha prayed and said, open his eyes that he may see. I'm not quite sure exactly all that he saw, but what he saw, whether it was with the physical eyes or the spiritual eyes, he saw that Elisha was in complete protection of God. God protected him. And anything that happened and any troops that marched upon him with the intent of of arresting him was under God's almighty eye. And what happened to him was permitted by God to happen to him because The Lord was his refuge. He was his hiding place. uh, David wrote this. Would you turn back with me to the 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, we have these words of David, and they're also brought out in the book of the Psalms a number of times. Here in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 22, we have the... Wonderful King David, a man after God's own heart, a man that uh, uh, was chosen by Samuel out of seven brothers, not because he was the largest, not because he was the brawniest, but he was God's choice, and God had chosen him. So here in Second Samuel chapter 22, verses 2 and 3, David, well, let's just read 1, 2, and 3, and David spake... The, unto the Lord the words of this song 
in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, the God of my rock in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. Now we could spend a long time looking at those two verses about the metaphors that David was called on by the Holy Spirit to mention with regard to the refugeness that the Lord is to his church. As we read over there in the book of Zechariah, he's like a wall of fire around the church. Now, the expression, uh, expressions in here, they, they share with us, and we have to be honest, we don't look for a place of safety unless we need one. If things are going well, we'll work out in the fields, but if the enemy comes, we're going to look for a place to hide. And that's what the metaphor is. If we don't have anything that is after us. Now, the illusion brings us right back to the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge were not of use unless you had an avenger of blood after you. Now, if you didn't have that, you weren't looking for that place. If you didn't have an avenger of blood, if you hadn't uh, unwittingly killed someone, if you hadn't gone through that uh, trauma of that event, then there was no need for you ever to go to one of the cities of refuge, unless maybe some trading or something. But it wasn't going to mean what it would mean unless the avenger of blood was after you. Now, once the notice came that the family of the person that you had just killed is going to send the avenger of blood after you, you had the opportunity, the right, and the reason given to you to go in that direction. That was what was taught among these folks. And once you got there, the avenger of blood could not come in and take you out. So a city of refuge means exactly that. We're usually having a great deal of fright in order to get to the refuge. Now, if we don't have any reason to go, we will not go. If we don't have any need, we will not look for a refuge. We will not need a refuge. And that's the way it is with almost everybody we meet at first. Now, when the gospel is preached and God brings that gospel to our heart, we find out we're in desperate need of a refuge. And we find out that that refuge, when the Lord regenerates us or gives us the new birth, we find out that that refuge is a permanent, good, enjoyable, blessed refuge because nothing can come in and take us out of it. Nothing can take us out of the refuge, the Lord Jesus Christ. As David said here, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, verse 2 of uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22, and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust he is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge. Now, if we don't need to be saved, we don't, we don't need a horn of salvation. We don't need that protection. So we find that there is a broad way that leads to destruction, and people that are on that way are kind of oblivious. 
The only reason that we would be looking for a narrow way is it was shared with us that that is the way to a refuge. That is the way to safety. That is to a place that we can go and have nobody after us. That is where our sin debt has been paid and we would have no fear. And that only comes by revelation. Well, as we look at this, we find that when a person escapes uh, to a fortified city or a lofty tower or a high rock, there he finds shelter and it's that person that goes there out of desperate need. Desperate need. We need a high tower. We need a shelter. We need a refuge. But it only is out of need. And we find that that city that is spoken of over here in the book of Zechariah chapter 2, that city that is given a measuring, uh, the man is given the measuring line to go measure it and measure it out and describes it to some uh, extent, we find that the Lord Jesus is the refuge around that city and those that are in that city are there on purpose. And they're there because they need to be there because outside of there is, is people that want to hurt them. All right. Well, as we think about this, we find that the, uh, the leading idea in the word refuge is a shelter and a safety. This, in some respects, is a shelter or is a refuge. It's a refuge from the rain. It's a refuge from the snow. It's a refuge from uh, too much sunshine. It's a refuge from heat. We find it's a place of refuge and we enjoy it. Now, if we didn't need it, we wouldn't use it. All we'd have to do is go down and be with Lance for just a little bit and we'd find out that there's not a great deal of need like we have here for a building like this. Down there, it's a little warmer climbs most of the time, and they don't have that need. But here in our climate, we do, and it's just a type and a shadow and a picture of what we need in Christ. The, the, who is in need of a refuge? Who is in need of a refuge? The cities of refuge were nothing to those that were not chased by a manslayer. There were just six towns, six cities, and... I'm sure that there were some people that looked at every year when those elders of those cities went out to clean up the, the roads and, and fill in the valleys and, and uh, take down the hills so people could get there. Said, What's the use? I don't need this. And that's the same it is today when it comes to the preaching of the gospel. I don't need that. But those who need it, it is life. To those who need it, it is a refuge. To those who need it, it is a place of safety. And it is an eternal place of safety and this eternal place of safety is the Lord Jesus Christ our true refuge the the stronghold in the fortified city are nothing to those without enemies but if we have enemies our greatest enemy is death sin those who have enemies this place is an important place is an important place to find refuge and that refuge is not taken away from us that refuge is ours for time and for eternity. If we're out in the ocean and it's smooth sailing, we don't need a harbor. If we're out in the ocean, like we find some of the times that the disciples were out there on that sea, they would have given anything for safe harbor. We find that the Apostle Paul spent some time on a boat. They were looking for a safe harbor. Those who reached that safe harbor 
they find a place where the waves are not billowing and, and about to tear their boat apart, that's the ones that are looking for that place, those who know what it is to be in turbulent seas. So this harbor. Now, I, I'm reminded of Ruth. Uh, tonight on the, the Zoom meeting with those folks, they looked at the book of Ruth, and there was a verse of scripture that really struck me, and I, I would like to direct your attention to it because it fit right in with our lesson tonight, and that's over in the book of Ruth and uh, Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. Now this is after Ruth has come back with her mother-in-law. This is after she has uh, gleaned in the fields of Boaz, and this is after Boaz has shown some interest in her, but there's something that needs to be done before she is truly free, before she has that refuge. The husband, the refuge, before she has that, Boaz has to do something. And he does it with the next, the nearest of kinsmen. All right, but this verse, verse 18 of chapter 3. Then said she, now this is uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how this matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. I just said, that is really neat. Boaz, as a type of Christ, is saying he will not rest until he is made known as the refuge. And that's the way he is with his lost sheep today, and that's the way he is with his saved sheep today. He will not rest until they are safe. They're in the refuge. Now, we know that that's going to be accomplished because he has set down. Over here, it says he will not rest until he has finished the thing this day. Now, we know he has finished his work, and he's accomplishing it every day. He set down, declaring that I have accomplished this work, and I'm calling these my, my children, those that will make up my bride, into me as their only refuge. And he's continuously doing that. He's making them aware of the situation that they are in by nature. Now, by nature, we don't want to know what we are by nature. But by grace, the Lord acquaints us with the desperate need of a refuge, that we cannot handle the issue by ourselves, that we cannot face God on our own, that we will not see eternity with God as a blessed thing without the person of Christ. He lets us know that in the gospel, that he alone, he alone is our refuge. Danger, attack, alarm, violence, peril, these things make a refuge suitable and desirable. If we have no need of protection from this, we have no need of a refuge. And I, don't tell, no, I cannot tell you the number of people that to, have told me, I don't need that. I don't need that. And you know, we know in the very depths of our soul, they do. <laughs> 
but it is impossible to convince someone of their need of a refuge. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. We can point people to the refuge. That's what John did. I point you to the refuge. Jesus, I point you to him, to the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Before we can see the Lord as a refuge or see him as the wall of fire about the church, we must be made known that this refuge is needed. So when we find out over here that the Lord is the wall of fire around the church, those inside have been acquainted with the fact they need that wall of fire around them, that they are unable on their own to ever take care of the problem that was created in the garden. We don't even, we don't even want to deal with that until we've been made known of it by the Lord. It's out of our realm. So the, the uh, Lord Jesus dealt with numbers of groups of people that did not have him as their refuge, but they had other refuges. Religion has all kinds of refuges. Do you remember that passage of scripture? Well, let's just turn over there to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And we find here in John chapter 5 that the Lord Jesus is dealing with a group of people that thought because they had God's word given to them, what profited to be a Jew, much every way for unto them was committed the oracles of God. God gave him the word. Well, if God gave him the word and you don't need a refuge, you're going to take refuge in God giving you the word. We must be special. Well, here in John chapter 5, and there in verse, uh, is it 39? John chapter, uh, yes, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life. Simply because you're a Jew, simply because the word was given to Jews by and large throughout the Old Testament, as we read there uh, in the book of Romans, and they are they which testify of me. That's the reason for the scriptures, and you've turned it around. They've imagined by having the writings in their hands and by their reading them. I've had people, I've read the Bible through every year, every year for 40 years. What are they telling me? The scriptures are my deliverance. Reading the scripture is my deliverance. And so we hear through the words of these Pharisees and these religious people, Jesus said, because you have the word and you read it every Sabbath, you think you have a refuge. But those scriptures testify of me. Now, he's the true refuge, and he's unseen as a refuge unless it's been revealed. And when it's revealed, we don't want any other refuge. What was every idol created throughout the Old Testament and every idol in the world today? It's someone's refuge. This is what I'm trusting to take care of me. Lance, Brother Lance brought out that passage over in Psalm 20, in verse 7. He says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. Well, when it comes to speed and mobility and glamour and glory and all of that, they're pretty nifty. They're Rolexes. <laughs> Here, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we have a refuge in the Lord. It isn't the flash. It isn't the special. It isn't some man-made thing. Our refuge is Christ the Lord. 
He is our wall of fire about us. He is our high tower. He is our rock in a dry, thirsty land. All of those metaphors that are mentioned throughout the Old Testament is a metaphor describing in some capacity that Jesus Christ is the true refuge and we will only seek that refuge when we are given the need to seek that refuge, when we see the need to seek that refuge. And that only comes by revelation. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Would you turn there with me as we look at others' refuges, which are not refuges. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. They may have burned a fire, but it isn't a wall of fire. The wall of fire is a beautiful thing because it is absolute protection for the church. The Lord Jesus is absolute protection, absolute refuge for the church. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 31, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 31, for their rock, now I appreciate the translators putting that rock as a lowercase r, because when we get to the real rock, the real refuge, the real stable place, the place we'll not lose our footing. For their rock is not our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Their rock, their refuge is not a true refuge. It has holes in it. It can be taken and will be taken. Someone else will come along with a better idea And that's what we find over in the New Testament, not to be turned by every wind of doctrine. And that's just someone else coming along with a better idea about what will suffice. And the only thing that is a true refuge, the only one that is a true refuge, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There is no other refuge that will satisfy as he is, and he does. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, not by works of righteousness which we have done. That's the refuge that most of us had before we were saved. And that's the refuge of the world, works of righteousness. Paul brings out that it's not by the works of the law, it's by grace, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. That salvation is our refuge. Christ is the refuge and he is our salvation. Jonah got it right. Even in a very weird place, salvation. What's that mean? Our refuge, a place of safety, a high tower, a place to be put so that nothing can get to us. Salvation is of the Lord. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we find the Lord Jesus in in his Sermon on the Mount. And I have greatly appreciated the Sermon on the Plain that's in Luke. The Sermon on the Mount, here in chapter 7, verse 24, we have the Lord saying these words about those who have their refuge in Christ and those who don't. The comparison is made. It may look like at the moment that there is a refuge in either place. But notice the test. Notice the test. 
I again appreciate that passage that was brought out to us in Isaiah chapter 43. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. Now, if that is only is if you have him as the refuge, if he is our rock, he's our high tower. Here in Matthew chapter 7 and there in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Who gives the ear, who gives the understanding of the scriptures, who gives the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by revelation. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. When you go through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the waters, I'll be with you. It fell not. It's a sure refuge. It's a solid rock. It's a high tower. It is a hole in the rocks. It's protection. And everybody that sees themselves as God sees us will run to safety, is drawn to safety, is brought to safety. And that safety is the Lord Jesus Christ and his impeccability and his righteousness imputed to us. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I don't need it. It's not for me. I don't need a refuge. I don't have any problems. I'm okay, you're okay. Everyone that heareth these words of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, same events. <laughs> same events. And the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. When did we not do all those things? And the Lord shall say unto them, depart. All right. He is our true refuge. I know what it is not to have a refuge. And I know what it is not to seek a refuge. Not the refuge. I know what it is to seek another refuge. And it's generally if my good works outweigh my bad works. That's generally the refuge that people take. I will trust in that. Or uh, I'm, in, I'm in good shape with a man up above. This whole thing is brought out in Jeremiah chapter 2. Would you travel back with me to Jeremiah chapter 2? Jeremiah is explaining to those who have the Bible to those who the Bible was given to and who trusted in the reading of it that this is their salvation. God favors us so wonderfully that he couldn't do anything else but love us. God favored the Jews. We're Jews. And so here in the book of Jeremiah, he is dealing with that very issue with these folks that are Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. By just merely holding them, by having them delivered to you. I, I knew Haggai. Well, he isn't, uh, he isn't here yet. 
in the days of Jeremiah. But I knew Isaiah. He was my neighbor. And look at what we have from him. Well, Jeremiah brings it out this way. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. Boy, you mean having the word of word of God and reading it through every year is an evil? Hmm. If it if we're doing that for our refuge, it is. It's a great evil. Because he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Now we could put that in Zechariah's tone and say they have forsaken me, the wall of fire about them. They will not come under, uh, under my subjection. They will not come to me that they might have life. They are on the outside. Here it says they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, number one evil, and have have hewed them out cistern, cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Two evils. Forsaken the true. Forsaken the blessed. Forsaken the Messiah. Forsaken the Son of God. Forsaken His way. Forsaken His word. And have adopted other things that have no ability of ever... Uh, satisfying the thirst for a second, not alone for eternity. We find the Apostle Paul, the church, the early church, dealt with this throughout the New Testament, as we find there in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 15, three times it was brought up, except ye be circumcised. To many in that day it was their refuge. We adhere to the law. The law is our refuge. We have kept it from our youth up. And we find that the, the preachers of the gospel were given the information to share with those people that is not the refuge. Physical things are not a refuge. Physical things are not a spiritual refuge. Physical activity is not a spiritual refuge. Only Christ is that spiritual refuge. Turn with me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. These are all refuges for folks. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or love of wisdom. Uh, One translation put it uh, high sounding nonsense. Philosophy, the love of wisdom.
Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. All of these other things, these mirages, these shimmering things, these chariots and horses that look so powerful and so glorious, they are nothing compared to what the church has in a wall of fire, in a shadow, in a dry, thirsty land, in a high tower, in a place of safety. So let's go back to Psalm 18 and verse 2. Psalm 18 and verse 2. The Lord said he would be a wall of fire around Jerusalem. He would be their refuge. He would protect it from all comers. He would take care of any enemy and all enemies. Not one would reach the uh, elect inside the church. They would go through waters, yes, but I will be with you. Here in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 18 and verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock. Verse 1, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. All of these are metaphors that speak about some capacity that the Lord is the refuge of his church. And only those who need a refuge will be found in Christ. Without that need, and we meet them every day, they're close to us, they're our neighbors, our family, there's just not a need. And yet, to the church, he is all their hope, their refuge. There would be no standing before God without it. In the book of the Psalm, Psalm 94, in Psalm 94, Psalm 94 and verse 22. If we don't need a defense, we can look at that from several aspects. Just mere protection or someone taking care of us in a court of law. My defense. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. There's a passage, I believe it's in the Proverbs, about a (laughs) coney hiding in the rocks. It's a small critter, but in the rocks, nobody can get to it. Well, that's where we are in Christ. We are protected He is our refuge. He's our wall of fire. As it's a metaphor in the book of Zechariah chapter 2, that metaphor, that type that's brought out throughout the Old Testament as well as into the New about the Lord Jesus Christ truly being the refuge of the church. And we only need a refuge if we have a problem. We only need help if we have a problem. We only need a Savior if we need to be saved. We only need a redeemer if we need to be redeemed. We only need, if it's been revealed to us, that that is our problem. Now, over in the book of Isaiah, one more time, Isaiah chapter 32. 
Isaiah chapter 32. What a wonderful verse of scripture there is because it shares with us that there's a man. Isaiah 32. Behold, verse 1, a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment and a man shall be as a hiding place. Isaiah knew more than we think. A man shall be a hiding place. Now, I'm sure that there were, there were, we could find in history that there were certain men that did that for their people. They were their protection. They watched over them. Abraham went after his nephew, and he took his whole army, his servants, and they defeated the kings, four kings. But that's nothing compared to the refuge we have in Christ because he takes care of all spiritual battles. A man shall be in hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest as rivers of water in in a dry place and as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Just think of a big rock out in the desert. You want to get in the shade. Remember being out in the ocean. Ocean get a little rough. We'd get behind that haystack rock in the lee of the rock. And you could go fishing. Because your boat wasn't rocking around in the lee of the rock. We only need a refuge if we have a problem. If we don't have a problem, we just don't need it. And we hear it all the time. I just don't need what you have. I don't need what you need. Well, they really do. They just don't know it. Thank God for His Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel acquaints us with a great need. I am a sinner and I can't save myself. Now we find that out after He's already given us the new birth. I will, 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 and then you shall know, and then you shall know. So, going back to the book of Zechariah for just a moment, there in chapter 2, he said there in verse 5, it's going to be a town, verse uh, 4, Jerusalem will be inhabited. It's just uh, not going to die out. There's going to be God's people brought into the church in all ages. Every age shall be somebody, a group, many, a few, will be brought into the church. As Revelation shares with us, he hath redeemed us out of every kindred, nation, people, tongue. And here he says, it will be inhabited. It won't need physical walls for spiritual blessings. It will not need physical walls for spiritual blessings. We don't need articles of faith. We don't need physical things to protect us. We need Christ. We need spiritual protection. And then he says, For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. And the church, that just shares with us, the church will thank him for being the refuge. And thank him for taking the attitude away from us that we can provide our own. He is 
the refuge for the church. And the church, like everybody that came to the cities of refuge, had a great need.